Hello everyone, welcome to Healthy Conversations with your host, Nyasha B. Today we've got an exciting, amazing topic where we're going to be talking about um, pharmacists and research. So I'm actually joined by two pharmacists who are working in research and they have a wealth of experience in, in that area. So first of all, I guess to my far right, we've got Mr. Wilfred uh, Gurupira. Um, I will allow him to do his own introduction <laughs> later on. Pharmacist by profession and is also currently completing a doctorate um, right now. Thank you for being here. Thanks. All right. Good to be here. No, that's it. And also on my right side, I'm also joined by um, Mrs. Kudzi Kambasha, who's also a researcher. She started off her career as a pharmacist, has worked in retail and hospital, and has several years of experience in research. She's currently working at uh, the UZUCSF and working in the area of HIV um, in relationship to women and adolescent uh, uh, girls. Yeah, so thank you very much and um, I'm happy for you guys to be here and discuss a lot more about, you know, pharmacists and research. I think let's have an open, candid conversation and Mm -hmm. yeah. Thanks for having us. We're happy to be here. All right, yeah. 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 So <laughs> let's get underway. So just tell me a bit more about your background and your, your experience. Yeah, so um, firstly, I'm a pharmacist uh, before I'm anything else. I uh, graduated from Rhodes a long, long time ago. <laughs> long, time. <laughs> long time ago. I have experience in hospital pharmacy. Uh, I worked in Botswana for a couple of years where, um, surprisingly, I was mostly into HIV there as well. Okay, uh, so back then in, you also worked in HIV? Yes, oh, mostly. Uh, and, and of course, you know, the general other responsibilities of a hospital pharmacist, but I found myself there, and I think that's where maybe the passion for HIV started from and then moved back to Zim Uh, I did my rounds in the retail community uh, because I I also love community pharmacy Uh, and then um, just a twist of fate found me dropping in the the research door and I've been at the the CTRC the UZ CTRC for the past I think seven years or so uh, yeah, and so my the trials that we conduct or that I've been involved in are mostly to do with uh, development of HIV prevention tools, uh, investig- investigational new drugs uh, that are mostly targeted towards women and adolescent young girls. Okay. So currently, like um, the, we were involved in the rollout of the Truvada tablets, uh, the investigation of that, which is now being used for PrEP in Zim, and the newly licensed uh, Depivirin vag- vaginal ring. So that's basically what I do from age to five. All right. Hey, so yeah. you've been involved in quite a lot of uh, key areas, eh? Oh uh, yeah. So yeah. is the like vaginal ring now available like uh, on the market, or you're still it's still undergoing the clinical trial? Oh no no. So we've uh, well yes we're still now we're now investigating it in populations that we didn't uh, do the clinical trials in. So uh, we have a recently finished study which was looking at the use of the vaginal ring in adolescent girls. And then uh, we're also now testing it in pregnant and lactating women because obviously uh, those populations, we wait for the bigger results to come out in the general population. But we're really happy uh, to report that uh, the MCAZ has actually licensed its use in Zimbabwe. Nice. So and we're one of the fir- we are the first uh, African country um, uh, to actually globally, I think, wow. to, okay. to, to license the Depivirin vaginal ring. So that's quite a milestone for us. Okay. And it says a lot about the data that we generated in that trial yeah so that's amazing i think a lot of huge milestones are i think happening so yeah i think this will be quite uh, i think key yeah the area of you know hiv prevention definitely definitely yeah so we'll move on sorry to you uh mr group here 
tell us a bit more about uh, just your background, how you land up in research, because you don't find so many pharmacists in the area of research. Mm -hmm. So how did you find yourself there? Yeah, I guess, uh, like Kudzi says, it was by chance. And I like to say that I'm a pharmacist by training. Um, uh, it's interesting when Kudzi says she is a pharmacist. It's, a, it's an identity thing, right? <laughs> That's true. So, so I'm a pharmacist yeah. by training, but what I am is really a systems thinker. And I, I like to approach things from, 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 from that background. And I guess it, I was drawn naturally into the world of research, um, given what happens in research, the kind mm -hmm. of rigor and standardization. And, and believe it or not, um, the plan had always been to end up in manufacturing. Oh, really? Right? really? Yes. Well, <laughs> I'm shocked. Okay, no, that's interesting. No, tell us more about that. Okay, that was so, the plan. So the plan, the grand plan. Yeah. When I was so younger. how did you segue into like many research. moons ago? Many moons many ago. Moons many moons ago. ago. <laughs> so this was the plan. Um, get corporate experience, which I did. Right, my first gig was in retail. Then get into research, and then end up in manufacturing, so that I have the complete picture of a corporate structure research and I'm in manufacturing because ultimately I love to make stuff um, but I found myself you know staying a while in the research portfolio and yeah it's been an interesting journey because I've been in it for a while now mm. I mean, um, and, and I don't even look like a manufacturer do I no, what <laughs> you manufacturers? That would have been no, no. But the manufacturers have a look. Yes, they do. Um, okay, well, okay. What's the look of manufacturers? Tell us. Tell us. This yeah. is going everywhere, yes. so be careful no, what no, you no. say. The manufacturers no, are watching. Are, hey, okay, no, no. So it's fine. No, go ahead. No, so what does a typical manufacturer look like? We're like talking, a manufacturer. You know, we were actually funny enough in our first episode with uh, Doctor um, Doctor Nkomo mm, and yes. uh, Mr. Karani. Yeah. Yes. And funny thing, we're talking about I think gaps in the industry, and one yes. of the things that came up was manufacturing. So you know, manufacturing is one of those common themes that yes. is, keeps coming up. I think soon enough we need to have the manufacturer here. Definitely. So yeah, yeah, tell definitely. us why. But, but, but I want to take 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 a step back since we're talking about research. Okay. And it's interesting that your first podcast was about gaps in manufacturing. But I actually would, would, would take a step back and say, what are the gaps in the profession hmm. before you hmm. go specifically into manufacturing? One of which is research. There is a gap in our profession um, with, with regards to research. Yeah. Now, we could go into what we do every day, HIV prevention, clinical trials, and stuff like that. But some of it is about the basic skill set, which I find missing with pharmacists. Yeah. Doctors too, but that's another story for another day. Let's talk pharmacists. The ability to understand information, to synthesize that information, and then to make use of that information. So three steps. Yeah. You have to understand, okay, do I need this? Why do I need it? Um, where can I get it? How do I bring it together? Once I brought it together, how can I make sense of it so that I can use it? That's the gap. And it's partly because our profession has not evolved. Um, we haven't used, generated our own evidence to evolve. We have relied on international best practices to evolve, like the PharmD uh, program mm -hmm. in, the, in the US to get more, to pharmacy to be more clinical. Um, or FIP, for example, saying, you know, these are the new best practices. 
But what I, I, I find the COVID-19 pandemic has given us a window of opportunity as a profession yeah. to then say, hey guys, we actually don't know a lot about stuff that we're supposed to know. Because one of the things that uh, I find curious is when you hear adverts about drugs, it says, talk to your doctor or pharmacist about, right? Yeah, and then I'm, I'm curious to say, how many pharmacists now that I know would be able to talk to me authoritatively about this? And yet that's what we're supposed to be doing. What, what we're supposed to be doing. But we, we, we don't know enough. So, so if we start to go into the basics of research, what is a research question? What is a good research question versus a bad one? Uh, what are the research methods, quantitative versus qualitative? Mm. What does a clinical trial mean, you know, yeah. randomized, placebo-controlled? Yeah. What does that mean versus, you know, and what do the results mean? Yeah, and interesting enough, I think you mentioned that, but what I'm finding, I think there, as more and more pharmacists now start to even advance their studies, you, you, you kind of, I think, miss that critical thinking and in terms of the basic area of, let's say, a bachelor's in pharmacy. I think no offense to anyone, bachelor's in pharmacy. But you find that sometimes with the advanced training and even maybe continuing education, mm -hmm. you can also find that these skills can be taught. But we need to be also intentional about it, even as a profession. So if we're going yeah. to sit there and say, right, let's um, discuss, let's say, research. What, what are the gaps there? What do we want our people to know and learn? And you almost have to frame it in such a way that people need to start developing those critical thinking skills. Yeah. I find that you find more with people who work in maybe in the areas of research, maybe regulation, and certain departments where you're forced to read a lot of, I think, documentation, yeah. and these are skills required on the job. You are sort of pushed there. Mm -hmm. So maybe that's something maybe we need to do, and we don't have possibly enough people doing that. I was actually thinking when both of you were talking that I think the critical thinking skills um, I only developed because it was now a necessity, it was a job requirement. Uh, but when you're, when you're in general practice and other practices, I, I don't know how we lose it. Um, I don't know, maybe it's the pressures of you having 20 people waiting to all see you, or it's, I don't know, the day-to-day -day rigor of, uh, I can only speak maybe from, of, of running a retail pharmacy, where you're just really looking at getting your patients the out. Into the practice, into the, the business pr exactly, side, the and then that becomes Exactly, the exactly. And then you lose the, you lose the science, and you lose the... Uh, not really, I don't want to say lose, because also don't yeah. offend, but you, yeah. you, you, your focus has shifted away from uh, why, it's more what am I doing, not why am I doing it. So it's, 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 it's interesting you say that, because if we take it from a critical thinking perspective, uh, a research perspective, and we then say pharmacists are rational beings, so we, we take rational theory, for example, they're rational beings, and we've very quickly understood what we're being paid for. Mm -hmm. Okay, so you're not <laughs> paying me to talk to people; yeah. you're paying me to dispense, right? So, in a retail setup, when you critically look at, okay, what 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 do you pay a pharmacist for? Most of the time, it is you're paying there because it's a regulatory requirement. You have to have a pharmacist. Continuous personal supervision. Thank you yeah. very much. Mask up protectors. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. So you, you pay for people for mm. that. Then second, you're paying them for the number of products that are sold. So I could be... Um, so, so imagine this. You two are investors and you have a pharmacy that I happen to, to work in all the time. And all I do is talk to people about their health problems and stuff. And people leave the pharmacy feeling good. And they say, oh, we can talk to. 
this pharmacist, but I'm not actually selling anything. Will I still have a job in a month's time? But uh, you're right, but I, I guess that goes back to the, uh, the, uh, the, the presentation that Prof, um, oh, oh my gosh, Prof yeah. Tagure did about okay, the so, dodo. Oh yeah. Yeah, and it was like, the profession needs to evolve beyond, you know, counting in fives. I remember I actually say that. Yes. And we need to move towards that whole pharmaceutical care where we're adding value not just by giving you the product, but by equipping you to take the product and to change your lifestyle. And okay. um, makes yeah. sense in theory. So let's let's look at it. Let's not take it very far. Would we pay a colleague for a consult? Now, see, see, see right there. See, <laughs> then it gets tricky. <laughs> um, that, but that's like, the issue of the dispensing fee, right? Yes, that's because, the issue yeah, of the dispensing And people fee, have yeah. agreed that we're going to do yeah. that. We yeah. should do that. No, see, I, and, and I like it because this is, this is a Who exactly question. is my colleague? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a number of colleagues. So. You, you, yeah. But so so yeah. why is it that, okay, so there's the dispensing fee, um, in my mind, is, is different from... Um, it's, it's a part of, but it's not the whole cognitive part of what you're doing. You're bringing a whole cognitive aspect and you're being paid for your, your skills, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. To say, I've interpreted this prescription, I've, imparted, I've, I've spoken to the patient, and this is what I'm being paid for. Even if the patient does not buy the drug, right? Yes. Because our model that we take is we look across to our, our, our colleagues in the medical profession, right? Once you see them a visit, there's money that's going to be transacted, whether or not they do anything with you or to you. But the fact that you've presented yourself in front of that person, there's money that's been exchanged, right? Mm. So as a profession, we need to get there where we are paid for our skills, cognitive skills rather than our technical skills, because as long as we continue to get paid for technical skills, we can be replaced by easily. technicians. That's true. Yes, quite easily. Yeah. Very true. Because yeah. even in the US, I think a lot of pharmacists are actually not manned by an actual pharmacist on a regular basis. Right. Uh, it's a lot of, you, you go, you pick what you want, and everything is automated. And if uh, the assumption is that we eventually get to Africa. Yes. You know, and yeah, we need to move. But I, I would also want to say that it's not that people are not doing it, but I think it's something that's just not been recognized. Because many a times on the various platforms, uh, I see people saying, okay, look, uh, the script is like this, it's not working, um, I just need a second opinion before I contact the doctor, which is critical thinking, which is, you know, it's just that now it, it, it hasn't been monetized yes. and the value hasn't been acknowledged. And I don't know how best yeah. to then take it there. And I just think back to the point that you mentioned earlier, Earlier on, uh, Wilfred, where you're talking about with the, within the profession, you almost need to adapt and change. And something like COVID yeah. 19 did challenge us. There's almost a number of different ways now to do business. And I think there are a number of places and spaces that pharmacists are required. Because now, if you're looking at you know, digital health technologies and you're looking at people who have got more access to information because of their phones and they're constantly looking up information, we're also forced to work with other professionals quite quickly. If we also are trying to work towards the healthcare systems we want. You're finding other, like in terms of supply chain, it was quite shaky. I think during COVID-19, mm. it actually exposed the weaknesses. And this is now the time to sort of, you know, challenge ourselves. So with that sentiment, I'm just wondering, 
is there enough research even being done when it comes to the area of pharmacy? Like, you know, right now we, we're not even clear on our consumption patterns uh, for some products. So, so sure what, okay, I'm sure you're, you're in clinical research, so yeah. So the interesting thing is yeah. I work in clinical research. Mm -hmm. I'm studying public health. Okay, yes. So I have my foot in both worlds. Mm -hmm. And the short answer is there's not, no. there's not enough research by far. But critically, what you have mentioned is do we even have available data, not just research, but data mm -hmm. about so we can kind of see trends and patterns and things like that. And I can tell you, no. I don't, I, I beg to differ. No. Because I think the minute you have, you're entering something into a system, yes. you are entering data. The, the data is there. Yes. I just don't think uh, we are one equipped to, um, to take it, or even to think about taking it, to find out what's going on. And maybe there might also be uh, very little interest in it because we are, again, we've been trained to um, monetize everything that we do. An area like research, I feel, is an area, uh, you, they ask you, if you look at grants or whatever, what is your area of interest? And I think what lacks in the profession in the pharmaceutical sector is that the, I, I don't know, and I, I, I assume it's an assumption, I don't think there's enough interest in looking for the data, in analyzing the data, in finding a conclusion to that because there's no actual monetization of it. Okay, fine, if I then uh, track the supply chain management of whatever, whatever in Zimbabwe, and then what? You know, it's, it, it takes a lot of time. Research is, is, is long, it's rigorous, it's tiring, and uh, it's not something that you do if you want to become rich tomorrow. Yeah, so I think maybe at the end of it, we now need to think about maybe even surveillance, data centers, quality of information there. Because sometimes I think the unfortunate thing, if you also collect a lot of data, but it's not quality data, that also is very misleading. That's true. Because you also find that maybe the information is also decentralized. Yeah. You maybe have some public health systems where some pieces of information and data is there. But it's also then sourcing it, getting it, and making sure that's in a form that's usable for the whole market and for everyone. Because imagine if you understand certain consumption patterns and information data. You can even um, translate into this into you know, consumption of medicines mm. and drugs. There's so many uh, products that are sometimes incinerated because probably our even projections are off. Yes. And what has come in. Definitely. But I, I feel there's so many pockets and gaps in terms of where we could start with research. But then it, it, it takes somebody being interested enough or caring okay. enough to actually say, are the systems there and I'm willing to go in there but and put them in place and look for the funding for me to put them. To, I've got the energy and the time to highlight that there's a problem and come up with a solution to the problem, to the critical thinking, and actually implement it. And I don't know if people are interested in it because, you know, again, the, the, the reward is not immediate. Okay, so, so maybe, okay, go ahead, sir. So, my thinking is that, uh, and now I'm coming from the area that I'm studying, complexity, which is, I agree that interest in research or making use of available data in a way that we're discussing it is not there, but there's interest and the system already exists. Yes. Mm -hmm. So I, I come so. from a basis where we do what we do as a profession because it's been working for us mm -hmm. and it is working for us. The minute it stops working for us, we're going to change, we're going to adapt. Um, but, so this I mean most of us as a, as a profession 
we gravitate towards the money. Yeah. Mm. And it is shown by where we work mm. because we work where we think there is the money. Mm. Whether that is true or not is, is debatable. The density but, of but, retail but pharmacists in Arari right. is an so example. So we, we, could, we, we, could, we, could, we look at it and say, uh, as soon as someone graduates and they want to work in Zimbabwe, they are going to retail pharmacy, right? But when you look at the health system and where the health system is going, it is not going towards the individual uh, health institution. It is going towards collaborative centers. Yes. And um, I'm not sure why, as a profession, we have not stepped back to realize what is happening. Part of it could be small picture thinking or experiences where because I'm doing what I do in my lane every day, I don't kind of take a step back to look at what's happening at a broader perspective. And I think what we need to do uh, is some of us who can look at things from a broader perspective is to try and entice more people to look at things much, much more broadly. Mm. Otherwise, our demise, whenever it happens, we're going to be like, oh, what happened? It's so sudden. But in reality, it was 10, 15 years in the making where we failed to adapt to to the needs of the system Mm, as well as the the needs of the individuals within the system. the community, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I think it's actually quite key because that's where we need to go. Even when I think of just, uh, fine, I think sometimes we might look at research as maybe this big, huge area, national interest and everything but you know there's even smaller pieces of research that people can do at their pharmacies oh, on a yes. regular basis oh, day yes. to day. Oh, yes. you know some of the trends and patterns can even be noticed at that level i think the unfortunate thing is that with our kind of um, systems and dispensing software it's a bit decentralized so everyone has got little pockets of their information and not willing to share but what you need to actually now almost encourage is that okay let's see are there um changes in terms of um the number of, of yeah dispensing practices it changes the uptake in number of certain narcotics, which is indicating abuse of a certain and type of product. Antibiotic yeah, use. Antibiotic use. And yeah. uh, is it resulting in resistance in the community and yeah. how you can track that? Yes. Yeah. Should we change it? Should we, we flip what? it on its head and not call it research? Because maybe that's what's putting people <laughs> off. Because you because think of books okay, and... Yeah. Uh, correct, yeah. correct. Okay. Yeah. But, okay. but if you look at it more... Um, so what so, can you call it? So yeah. there are a couple of options. So let's look at it. Everybody... Everybody adapts based on the information. So you've got a certain route that you use every day to go to work. On a particular day, there is traffic. There's a blockage. You will not insist on going through that route. Hmm. You will adapt and change route. Correct? What have you just done? You have used information and have taken a decision and an action based on information that you have, which is what we're saying research should help you to do. Gather the information, bring it together, analyze it, get results, and use the results to do something about it. Mm. You also take um, what you guys are talking about, which is the trends, the trend analysis, consumption patterns, and stuff like that. I guarantee you, most of the retail pharmacists and our colleagues in in hospital, they can tell you off the top of their head, oh, uh, in this month, this is what happens, Mm. or this is what happens. But it's all anecdotal. It's not standardized. Which is contradictory, given that our profession is based on standardization, yeah. 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 right? But I think maybe it's a, it's a lack of um, uh, the skills or the 
So I don't know about, I know for our curriculum, the module for research, it was tiny. It was like, if even a semester, I, I, I don't even. I, I, you, I, I don't. I don't remember. I actually don't remember what you know that what comprised of the like the research, the research module. Yeah. And I, I and you actually do something. I, I don't. I really don't. It was maybe a tiny little course. Yeah. At the end of it, I don't think it was. Yeah, it was semester. It, I think it was. So our minds, as we were talking about critical thinking and all that, we're we're not. We haven't been trained. And mm-hmm. pharmacy is all about being trained. We are trained to do what it is that we do. Mm -hmm. But we have not been trained to see that there's a problem, uh, recognize it, want to like change it and do the grunt work that goes into, you know, wanting to change it. Only when you're in an environment that encourages you to do that or you're like, oh yes, oh yeah, there is actually a problem. But the the wealth of data that is in each and every individual that's called a pharmacist in this country is amazing. We just need, as you said, to standardize it and put it onto paper. And that's how you become you start having relevant best practices that are that are relevant to our context. We can't be taking things from South America and from the US and wanting to then implement it, which is a big gap that we saw with COVID, right? Because this is how they were dealing with COVID. It. There was social distancing, there were wearing masks, and we just took that upon ourselves. But it's different from an African perspective. You know, my grandmother cannot die and right, it's an right, African. Right. It's an African. Exactly. But because of COVID, now you're telling me, no, I'd rather go. Yeah. You know, and we, we, we need to take the data that we have here, synthesize it to come up uh, with solutions for genuinely African problems. Mm. Again, um, I, I'm. I'm, I'm I find it curious you guys say you didn't do much of it because did you did you guys at that stage the local one (laughs) as an entire year really (laughs) yes as an entire year of research but what I find is that what you're taught in school if it's not reinforced in practice as soon as you come out it's like learning a language in class and then you don't speak it outside the classroom sometimes the language doesn't stick yeah. or if it does it takes a lot longer so what you need is to have what 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 students are learning in a classroom environment they see it and they see the need for it outside the classroom yeah. and if and, and if most of the profession doesn't actually use research or principles of research or aspects of research then it doesn't matter how much you're tra- training the, the, the students. Once they come out... <laughs> it's not yeah, relevant. It's, it's not, it's not yeah. relevant, yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. But, but then how are businesses staying competitive, right? How, how are we staying up to date with, 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 with current information? How are we pushing for legislation amendment yeah. to the Health Professions Act? What are we basing that on? And, and so there's a concept that I've, I've been learning about, which is about evidence. Because you would think that research generates evidence, right? Normally. But what we find in our environment is that we have our own evidence, which doesn't necessarily come from research. It comes from experience. Yeah. It comes from expert opinion. And sometimes it just comes from, look, they're doing it there. We think it's good. Let's do it here it's too. Adopted, yeah, yeah. So that becomes our, our evidence. Yeah. And so you've asked that. What do we call uh, another name for research? Let's 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 change it. Let's 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 call it either evidence-based practice mm. or evidence-informed yeah. practice. Mm, exactly. The question is, for your practice, 
how are you generating the evidence or where are you getting the evidence what are you calling evidence yeah. and how is that evidence informing your practice and once we do that you're going to find that a lot of practices have to fall away yeah yeah this pharmacist is behind the counter doesn't speak to patients that was a practice done 20 30 years ago right have we done do we have the evidence that says that is the best model because again I, I, I'm thinking different practices will apply to different areas, even within Harare. Mm. We, we cannot be doing the same thing everywhere. Chitungwiza and Harare function and Harare, totally Bulawayo different. Harare, yeah. right? Urban, urban, urban Bulawayo, right? And, 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 and peri-urban Bulawayo would be different, different populations, different. But are we, are we, are we looking at, as, as professionals, are we looking at the system and our approach to work from that perspective to say, how best can we serve the people in, mm. which, in the areas in which we work? Exactly. And, and, and to, to just take it a step further, it's not only just the, uh, when you're looking at uh, the pharmacist doing something like that, it's also on the regulator side. We keep on talking about this issue about there are no pharmacists in the places where they actually need them. Research or evidence-based, you know, whatever you called it, all it takes is for you to do a survey to all the pharmacists that are in Harare, why is it that you're in Harare? What are the factors that determine where you're going to open a pharmacy, where you've opened a pharmacy? And then from there, you can be like, okay, so this is the driving force, why there are no pharmacists in Berengwa or, or whatever. So what is it that we can do on a governmental level, on a whatever, on a regulatory level to inspire and to get those pharmacists, or not even just those pharmacists, those that are graduating from the user, how are we going to send them there without having to threaten them per yeah. se and how do we retain them there all of that mm -hmm. should not be done just because we've signed a legislation about it it should be based on evidence and that's where yeah. research comes yeah in. and actually interesting enough there are just different ways you can even do research like uh recently um look i was just actually inspired by the whole COVID 19 and the geographical information systems mm -hmm. mapping mm -hmm. that was now being done where you could see where the cases are popping up mm -hmm. so i took a similar approach and actually just looked at pharmacies for example this is just something i I worked on. Mm -hmm. so Just enjoy it by yourself. Yes. <laughs> okay, I've got an aunt who also works at the, the Biomedical Research and Training Institute. Oh, so okay, we're actually okay. quite interested. That, hey, like, look, has anyone done actually a mapping exercise yeah. for, for Zim? So, I mean, we looked at this. There's a total, I think, of 811 pharmacies. But we tried to focus on the different towns and, and see where the pharmacies are spread out. And you could see, like, with Harare, I think they took on the majority. Then like, you had the whole it? map of Zim, and then now you could see where the spread. But I think this is what you talk about. Look, let's have informed pieces of research. Yeah. Imagine now contributing to that point and say, okay, right, this is the spread of where pharmacies are. Why is pharmacy spread there? Listen even to the people within the system. So you look at both even the people coming into the system, mm -hmm. the experienced people, and say, okay, right, let's actually figure out and make informed decisions. Mm. I even like the suggestion in the direction you're going, where you're saying, look, let's have more evidence-based mm. practice and see what are the gaps, what are the issues, and what do we need to look at and change. Uh -huh. yeah. But um, my question to you then, not that I'm interviewing you, what did you do with all that data that you had? Oh, I just uh, worked on it and, yeah, kept it. <laughs> but you, you see, this is where you then publish it. Yeah. Yeah. And you you take it to the relevant authority. <laughs> These are the things that influence policy and you know, yeah, everything yeah. like that. You can't just sit on valuable information like that. Wait, 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 wait. We've been sitting on valuable information as pharmacists for years. This is not new. She is being a pharmacist. Yeah. 
<laughs> well, what, what, what we should do is to wow, change. Wow, thanks for food. We should no, change. Okay, yeah. Yeah. We, we, need to, we need to change that because now when you... One of the areas I find that we're afraid to tackle as pharmacists is there is a reason why pharmacists are distributed the way they are. Right? Mm -hmm. We may not like the reason, but it's there. Yeah, no, it's there. And, yeah. and most of it is, is following just the mm -hmm. economic development of the country. Yeah. So you find that where we believe that there's more money to be made is where yeah. we're going to congregate. I think money and opportunities. I mean, right. and that actually is the same reason why some people work here and some people leave the country. I yeah. Mean, we've yes. still seen the Zimbabweans even excel and get to very to huge, very amazing positions, whether it. it's, to say, it. overseas in the U.S., and at the WHO and even Pfizer, yeah. there was actually a Zimbabwean on the team. So, yes. yeah. so, so the reason why I was challenging this issue of let's publish it. Again, that's a research cliche, right? Uh, publish or perish. But the reality <laughs> is... Publish or perish. Yes. It is a thing. Right? <laughs> it is a thing. But that's because if you want to be an academic, right? So, for, so, so someone like myself is in research and I'm studying, but I do not consider myself an academic. I don't, I, don't, I don't see myself in that space. I don't want to be in that space. What I find myself, you know, what I could do for years and you know, not get bored or tired is to use, translate that evidence or those findings or the, this data, make it usable information that we can act upon. We use that to make decisions. Yeah. Right? Because that's ultimately what we would want people to do act, do something yeah. with this information, exactly. but let it be evidence-informed to say, I'm doing this because yeah. this okay. is what I know. Perhaps, maybe I might challenge you guys and ask you a question. Okay, like for example, I know you put me on the spot asking like, look, my little geographical information mapping exercise. It's not little. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you know what, the reason that I did it, look, I recently opened a pharmaceutical distribution outlet. So I was just yes. trying to work, okay, how do I market to the different entities in the country? Yeah. Where the different entities based? Let's spread it out, let's look at the pharmacies, hospitals. Because from my experience, I, I sort of do know where a lot are, but there have also been a lot that have mushroomed and crept up over the years. Mm. Yeah. So it's trying to see, okay, as a, a small business, where do I work on my resources and distribute mm. them when it comes to my marketing efforts? Yeah. So that's why I was interested in that, and I've also done a short course in that. So it's also trying to think that are the systems, let's say when it comes to even short pieces of research, even within the practice of the profession, are they present? Are they there? Because sometimes, say, it, if it was quite easy to, say, sign up, submit a research, and be able to sign up, then it would be actually quite easy to work on constant small pieces of research as an industry and as a sector. So it's, 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 it's interesting you should ask that. I think we need to create the enabling environment for that to flourish. Yeah. It's there. Mm. But... Okay, so, example, let's take a pre-rage pharmacist. In my mind, there's absolutely no reason why a pre-rage pharmacist in that year cannot conduct a piece of research, right? In yes. that year. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And either publish it or present it or, right? Disseminate it somehow. Somehow, yeah. within that year, as a pre-rage. It could be something like, you know, you, we've joined a, a, a practice which has been going on for the last 10 years. Why do you do what you do? Mm. And how can we do it better? then it's mutually beneficial. The pre-reg learns something about the practice, how to conduct yeah. research, and then the company gets information which can help it um, grow, get better, yes. right? Yeah. But we don't. Because part of what we're pushing in the, and, 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 and 
Um, I know I'm not popular for saying this, but part of what we're pushing is we're pushing volumes. We're pushing volumes. Whether you're in manufacturing, uh, wholesaling, retail, pharmacy, you are pushing volumes. Well, I wish. Right? <laughs> yeah. But, but, but that's the problem. No, 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 no one gets into business to no, not make a profit. Make, yeah, right, but, right, yeah. right, right. Yeah. So, which then creates the age-old question. Are you a pharmacist or are you a business person? Because, and, 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 and it's key we get an answer to that question to say, what's first? Is pharmacy first a profession or a business? Yeah, but hold on. This is where you come to, to the two key principles. Pharmacy, I think, from the practice point of view, and pharmacy is a business. I think one can work on both, right? But sometimes they might lean to more of one side. Because this is when you say, for example, if you look at the business side, you get the more corporatized sort of uh, pharmacies with certain types of business models. Then if you're looking at the practice side, I feel it's slightly different where you've got pharmacists that are offering a wide range of extended services, they're counseling, they're focused on patient care, and a number of initiatives that they're trying to do from the practice perspective. Mm -hmm. And you still have quite a number of those type of pharmacists who do exist in the community pharmacy sector. Center. Then there's some who are quite good at balancing a bit of both. We're fine, they might not be exactly the biggest business out there, um, but they're quite an okay, decent community pharmacy. I don't know. I feel sometimes maybe we might be a bit too harsh on the community pharmacist. And we shouldn't box. And we're not defined uh, by being just one type of um, Oh, yes. Can I tell you what? With careers also, they, 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 they evolve. Like, I think for myself, I started with, you know, pharmacy, but I've done, like, quite a number of courses. But it's out of just my own interest, whether it's public health, whether it's health economics. But there's even just trying to even learn a, a, a course to say, okay, how can I do this? Which digital tool can I use to improve what I need to present? Yeah. I don't know. I feel like these are things we can all evolve. And like what you said, we need to adapt. But the thing is this. If we rely on an individual hmm. to do this, what we're going to find, normal distribution, we'll, we'll research, normal distribution curve, we're going to find the 5%, the nyasha pharmacy, <laughs> the kudzais of this yeah. world, yeah. who will do stuff. Yeah, right? the, yeah, the, the, the outliers. The majority are happy to go with the status quo. And unfortunately, they're the majority. So even if we say, let's vote on something, what do you think is going to happen? <laughs> so we have yeah. to find a way That's to good. shift. You're going to make a lot of people angry. <laughs> yes, on you're going to push some. Yes. <laughs> but, uh, but, but, uh, uh, no, but I get what you're saying. But let's, uh, and okay. let's challenge ourselves. So like I want to challenge the profession. Yeah. You see, what people don't realize, so I rose to the height of actually leading professionals, right? And in leading professionals, I got to interact with other systems and other players. And it showed me yeah, that fundamentally that the pharmaceutical sector, pharmacists in particular, were sleeping giant. True. Mm. There is a, a vested interest by some players for us to remain asleep. Oh yeah, of course. Eh? Right? But it's also, block, we as the giant kind of don't also want to wake up. Because once we wake up, it means we must do some work. We'd rather be dreaming. So for, yes, I, I am challenging people and I've been challenging people for years. <laughs> <laughs> to yeah. do more. Mm. Let's, let's be, okay. So let's look at what uh, Nyasha raised, which is the, the corporate pharmacy. Yeah. Who determines what a corporate pharmacy is? It is definitely not pharmacists. No. Right? But oh, would, yeah. would, would you ever have mm. 
non-lawyers, for example, determining what law practice is. Mm. I mean, it's, it's crazy when you think about it that yeah. we as the professionals do not determine an important aspect of our practice. And actually, interesting enough, same thing would apply to accounting firms. I mean, they would not <laughs> allow another <laughs> practice or industry to, to actually make key decisions like that in their industry. I understand the whole, let's work together in a multi-professional setting and, you know, um, but I feel like as pharmacists, maybe we're, we're getting the short end of the stick, I think, a lot of the time. So I think, like what you said, I really like what you said, that like we're sleeping giants in this. And then once we, we need to wake up. That's true. So let's, let me be controversial a little bit. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> and say, a long time ago, we had a huge debate with other colleagues to say, is our profession, because what we're discussing about pharmacy in Zimbabwe applies to a lot of other settings, mm. yeah. right? Both within the region and within the world. The end result is someone raised this point and then said, it could be the type of person who gets into the profession, which results in the profession being in a certain way. Hmm? That, 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 that could be true, but uh, yes. So I, I think pharmacists are analytical people. We like order, we like structure. I think um, as a public health student, you can't then ignore the macroeconomic aspects of it, which has pushed pharmacists from being uh, science-driven, patient-driven maybe even sometimes to we need to survive, yes. you know, in, in, in this place. Which, and being in survival mode kills innovation, which is why you actually don't think outside the prescription that's in front of you, but you're just busy trying to churn out your patients. Or uh, you don't uh, think of, let me explore this trend even more to see, ah, you know what, this antibiotic is being prescribed a lot. Why is that? And then you conduct your little research because you are in survival mode. I've been on many of these pharmacy platforms and only speaking from a community perspective where they've said we are just in survival mode. So yeah. I, I, I don't think it's necessarily the person who's into pharmacists. I find that a lot of pharmacists are interactive colleagues. We all have the same way of kind of thinking, but I think you can't, um, you can't put away the um, social, uh, socioeconomic determinants that make us act the way that we do. But now, so the argument you raise for me uh, makes it even more interesting because, in fact, pharmacists have used the information, but they've not used it in a good way. Because now we've figured out, so the age-old argument I argue with, 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 with doctors is to say, as long as you guys are charging a fee, a, a consultation fee, which patients feel is not worth, they'll continue to go to pharmacists as a first point of call yeah. and continue mm -hmm. to pressure community pharmacists to say, why are you sending me to a doctor where I'm going to pay $20, $30 consultation fee for them to send me back with a prescription for a drug I know is going to cost $2? And Just I know, give me the drug. And I know you know that's what they're going to right. write on right, that right, right. Yeah. Yes? Yeah. Right? Yeah. And, 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 and there's a cost. Again, this is why research is important. There's a cost. We can all insist on no, um, get a prescription, and you know, do things by the mm, book on the structures, to, yeah. to speak to your issue of survival. But what happens if I continue to turn away patients to say, you know, go away, you don't have a prescription, go get a script. And then they go to my colleague mm. 
who's dishing these things out without the prescription yeah. then go to a colleague or even the black market i mean now look it's not surprising when you you're hearing of houses where people are running little mini pharmacies oh yeah oh yeah yes. if you just go downtown you'll see medicines being even sold on the side yeah. of the road you push yes. a certain group of people out of the system yes. even sometimes i think the sad thing is that for example the public sector system is sometimes non-functional or not working at the level it's supposed to be. People are then forced, say, into private. Private is only a certain small group. Remember, less than 10% of our populations are medical aid. Very few people even have the funds and money and resources to actually um, utilize a lot of the private systems. Mm -hmm. Then where do you expect people to go? Because at one point in time, these people will all be pushed into certain uh, corners which we cannot necessarily even regulate and yeah. which I think overall as a country which is even bad when we're trying to look at you know our health systems and try and look at the health outcomes mm. and what we're trying to achieve together as a system yeah you which, can't ignore yeah. the social determinants that make the social that people quite, yeah. into doing that so that's why we need to be intentional yes and hence some of us looking at complexity yeah. because because you may think that the solution is get more cops to regulate these backstreet uh, pharmacies, right? But in reality, that's, that, that's not, that's just, you're, you're, you're just tackling the, maybe the, the, the supply side. But wait, can I There's ask a you, demand side. Okay, can I ask you something? No, um, that's true. Are there enough, say, okay, we've talked a lot about, I think, the research, the industry, and what needs to change, and what we'd like to see, and certain pieces of information we'd like to get. Um, are research pharmacists also visible and even involved in certain way that associations or key, I don't know, key groups where sometimes we can turn this into even to action and ways to encourage it? Like sometimes what I've seen, okay, for example, I'm part of the, like ISPO, that International Society for Pharmacists in Outcomes uh, Research, where you do find collectively, you do come together, it's your big players, it's sometimes your doctors, pharmacists, mm -hmm. and everyone. You also get the funders. Within that, they sometimes encourage and fund research and you know, certain pieces of information, they come openly, they share information, they make decisions together, then they talk about, let's say, um, look, let's get to um, national, you know, universal healthcare. Yes. What can we do to achieve that? Yeah. I don't know, do we have enough platforms and places where we're all coming together? Yes, we're talking about this, but we have platforms where we're coming together and trying to make this happen. I would say yes. I would say yes. Because <laughs> it looks like she would disagree. So yes. you know, but let, no, 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 okay, you go first. You can go first. But what, what, what I think is lacking, what I think is lacking is one of the reasons that drove me to study complexity, which is, you know, looking at tipping points. What makes things go viral? Why, do, why, why would people listen to one person, not the other? Right? Um, so, so, so we were talking off air, and I'm, and I'm telling you, for me, the ivermectin story is 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 a wonderful case study. Wonderful yeah. case study about. I'd love to do a case study on that. Case study of how you can push a narrative yeah. enough until you get what you want, right? And that's what I think you're referring to. I see yeah? the information story completely different. But yes. It was a lack of was the system's ability to adapt to what was needed on the ground at that point. But still, anyway, but still the but anyway, well, that's a whole. That's, the information story was a whole. It's but, a whole episode. But it's 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 it's. I should do a case study. Actually, we you know, should we do a case study. You know, we should introduce maybe a case study series. We should do a case study. Sit down and we discuss business cases. You know, yeah. like evidence. Yeah. And, how, and, 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 and one of the things you must be able to see is the issue of influencers. How do they do what they do? How do they get to where, you know, one person by saying, drink water, 
right? You know the famous video where, you know, a certain soccer player removed a certain drink and put water. Yeah. And, and that just went viral. Yeah. That's the influence and that's the kind of power I think you're referring to. The platforms exist. The people are there. But it's, it's, it's getting us to a stage where something like this discussion is enough to cause enough of a stir in the debate that things change. Could see. You disagree? <laughs> Let's hear. Uh, in, in part, so I think I'm not... I think the platforms are there. I think there's lack of awareness of those platforms. Yeah. I think uh, the personnel is there to be... Uh, con I, like, I, I introspected in these two seconds ago. Okay, have I put myself out there as an actual research pharmacist to want to get onto those platforms? And the honest truth is I have not done that because maybe at some level I'm also, like, on survival mode and I'm just in for doing my work and getting out of there. So, because again, for us to change the profession, for us to change what we do on a daily basis, for us to add value to the profession, it requires effort. It requires effort outside your eight to five. Yes. It requires effort outside you uh, spending time maybe with your kids or, or whatever. For you to come out from in front of, from the behind that counter to actually have an conversation with a patient and take the time out to counsel them. It's effort. And I don't think that us as a profession are putting enough effort uh, and availing ourselves to be part of these platforms that could actually change uh, how mm. pharmacy is viewed by uh, the nation and eventually the continent at large. Yeah. So enough, we need to participate. Yeah, well, yeah, we need us, to yeah. participate more. Mm. You need to care more mm. from yeah, and, your and grassroots. And you know what? Funny from. thing, I think now that I just think about it, sometimes it also lands up being the same players and the same people yeah, yeah, and yeah. within the same little groups. That yeah. It's maybe something where the impact needs to be felt on a larger scale on a wider yeah. basis. From the students, as you said, the, there's no reason why a pre-rich student cannot be conducting some form of research about the systems that they're in, whether it's you're at Harare Hospital or you're at a retail pharmacy or whether you're wherever, you know. Uh, but it requires somebody intentionally uh, opening the door for them, uh, picking their brain, creating conversation and controversy about it and just getting people talking about it such that uh, generating that interest so that people actually do something. Yeah. And, but and, we need to do something. And we're going to have to do it at different levels. So, for example, colleagues who are currently in practice may not need necessarily to know about research methods, mm. but they need to be able to analyze data, a paper that's presented to them, which is why I'm saying the ivermectin story is, is fascinating. We bring you a paper which says, okay, so ivermectin has got this odds ratio, relative risk, or whatever. Can you make sense of what it is that's in front of you? Can you be able to decipher and say, ah, okay, sample size, sample is, size too is too small, this mm. is, you know, confidence intervals yeah. are too wide and things like that. So people in practice are going to need that skill because more and more information yeah. is coming through the form of research. But then we look at maybe those who are pre-rich, sharpening skills, and then we look at people who are still in school, providing the skills. And I think that becomes the entry point because COVID... A lot of the stuff that we were getting in COVID required us to make quick decisions. Yes. Yeah. Quick decisions based on mm. the information that was available. And if you didn't have the uh, ability to kind of scrutinize the information that you had, 
you were then gullible. Yeah. Kind of caught up with the tide only to be left or, in a lurch. Or, or you would be left behind. Yeah. Because I'm very, I'm very passionate about this dissemination of data that's in front of you because I think our profession would have been strides ahead. We were, we were, there's a protocol that we're doing that uh, might require pharmacists, for, uh, pharmacists to inject yes. study yes. products to mm. actually set up an IV because of the nature of the protocol. To, uh, we need to maintain the blind. Yes. And it is mind-boggling because Muska will not let us start injecting. But other countries are mm. injecting. Other yes, countries in the region. Exactly. And that's because data is coming in. It's coming in faster than we are reading it. We're oh, disseminating yeah. and we're yeah. making policies. We, whether it's prescribing antibiotics or uh, eye drops or whatever, other places are moving forward so that we remain relevant yes. and we're adding value to the profession. But because we are stuck and this is how we do things, as Ludzai would have, would have said it, right? We're, we're, not, we're not looking at what's even worse than not understanding and disseminating the data and making policies of it is we're not even looking at it mm -hmm. because this is not how we practice pharmacy in Zimbabwe. Mm -hmm. And that is going to make us extinct as a profession. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So I and guess I've created enemies. Yeah. <laughs> no. No, but you know it's what? Not, but it's, it's a challenge, I think, to us in the profession. Because, you know, sometimes if we sit there and, you know, I, I think as you're both speaking, I was even thinking about sometimes we, we highlight, oh, oh, we need certain policy changes. Are enough pharmacists aware about which policies we need to change? When we say we need to change some of the regulations so it can be favorable, so we can be able to practice in a certain way or we want certain yeah. things. Is that clear to each and every person? And, and, and even if you and do go to the regulation and say, look, I want, we want pharmacists to be able to prescribe antibiotics, he's going to say to you, why? And you need data to be back in. Look, yes, uh, studies have been done to say that if a pharmacist is able to pro to prescribe for minor ailments, whatever, it it increases patient outcomes or improves it, uh, patient outcomes by X type of thing. And in yes, data, yes. we trust. Yes. In your hearsay, we don't care. Mm. But you cannot refute or argue with the mm. data. Yes. All we're just challenging or we're saying is, as you said, as we redefine what research is and we're redefining ph pharmacy, uh, just just... Just take the time out to think outside the box. Yeah. yeah, And I think, you know, for me also with COVID-19, it also presented a nice challenge when it comes mm. to issues around even misinformation and mm. disinformation. Mm. I think as pharmacists, we also probably had to wake up and see, okay, w what role can we also play? Yeah. And sometimes this is what platforms like this, in essence, can help. We, you, you challenge each other that, look, let's also be better. Let's try also move in a certain way with the information that we get. Because constantly, like now, I don't know, maybe it's social media now. So it now depends, the quality of information sometimes depends on what someone also consumes. Mm. So if you're having someone, who, let's say in the profession, who reads widely and they want to understand this and that, like what you said, ivermectin is a brilliant case. Even right now, vaccine is still a very interesting yeah, case. Yeah. You're seeing even um, changes in ages of uh, where a vaccine um, should be taken up. So I yes. think now it's getting younger and younger. Yes. So I mean, these are things that we would love to just sit there and, and talk about and discuss as a profession, but I think... Yeah. And that leading to some policy change or policy tweaking yeah. or policy development because we can't just talk and then do nothing. Yeah, I, I agree. Also, some of it also is to look at it um, in what we can do in our space. So, yeah. so for example, the Kudzi, early on in the conversation, talked about the Depivian ring, right? Mm -hmm. And part of my fascination was when the study ends, yeah. how is this ring going to actually, in, in real life, how is it actually going to be given out? Because yeah. mm. we have to start thinking about some of these things before we, we, 
they, mm. they, they hit us. Yeah. So vaccines, mm. and this issue like you raised of information, COVID-19 has shown there is the classification of, I think there's misinformation and there's disinformation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's information. Yeah. So you, where are you and, yeah. and what are you doing? And even on, on our own platforms, people don't realize that they take a stand by what information they share and don't share. So a forward, right? It's actually a vote of, <laughs> yes, of that confidence in the information. information yeah. to say, exactly. This is what I subscribe to. Yeah. And if you ask the people, do you believe in what this person is saying? They're going to say, no, I don't. So why did you forward it? And so those are the kind of questions that I'm asking to say, why do you do what you do? And sometimes um, this then leads me to the issue of what is conscious, because we've been mostly discussing the conscious, this is what we can do. We have not discussed the unconscious bit. What are our biases as pharmacists, as professionals? Where are our blind spots? What is it that yeah. we are about ourselves that we can't see? Because yeah. it's there. There's this. That's um, unconscious, like, like she raised to say, the regulator will say, why do pharmacists want to prescribe? The bias is in the word prescribe. Mm. Right? But once you say pharmacist initiated, Different conversation. Oh yeah, mm. that's true, isn't it? Yeah. But aren't we talking about the doctors relax and? Because <laughs> <laughs> we're now pushing. I think those influence little by little. Because why? Because even right? the categories and the number of products that yeah. pharmacists can initiate yeah. change. They change, yeah. right? Yeah. So, so if we, so it's in a word. Yeah. We go. Pharmacists want to prescribe. There's an uproar. Uproar. But pharmacists want to initiate therapy or medicines. People are like, oh, all right. Okay. Hey, perhaps can I say this? Maybe <laughs> the associations need to play a stronger role and a better role. And whatever ways and uh, groups and networks that are there and present, something I think more needs to be done, and yes. people need to be more accountable. I think for things that are actually happening uh, within. And again, but again, don't the give me association. Okay, don't okay. give me started. No, 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 association. Okay, I will no, not. You know why? You know why I say that? You know why I say that? I, I think the reason they why have something at least. Like they, that's they something. Do. It's a starting they, no, point. The, the, the associations are powerful, but again, it's about what you move, pushing an agenda based on what. Okay. Everything needs to be evidence-based. Okay. Not Let's emotions, move on not... Okay. Okay. We won't even go there. But listen, what, what I'm going to say is this. Because I said pharmacists are rational beings, I'll actually add to say pharmacists are rational, highly intelligent beings yeah. who have figured out they do not need to be part of an association to benefit from what an association oh, exactly, is doing. Exactly. Ooh, that's good. You yeah. see now? So now that's the problem to say... Associations should play more. But I would say get pharmacists to join associations, then associations can move things. Yeah. Because right now, because also, but you have to understand what roles do they play? What do they serve? But they're actually recognized already. So I think this is why I'm saying we need to just somehow leverage their presence. They're not the and they need to giant. Also, yeah. No. I, I feel. They are tired giant. <laughs> you <laughs> tired know what? Working for no. Adam. No. You don't know. No, no. I don't know. This Robert, guy. Yes. I no. don't know. This guy. Anyway. Anyway. Sorry. Thank you so much. <laughs> You know, I'm sorry. I, I know I had to cut the conversation short, but unfortunately, I, I was actually enjoying it. And I, and we, I, need, we need to do this again. And I, no, no, and I think, you know, no we one wants to hear what you have to no, say no, after this. No, no, hold on. No, I think we definitely needed a part two. And actually, you know what? Soon enough, look, there's a segment that I want to introduce um, later on where at least maybe once a month we can sit down. I'm calling it a pharmacide chat. Mm. So we sit down with a group of people, pharmacists, and I think in the different areas of practice. We sit down and discuss maybe one key contentious area and topic, yeah, that's and then I think give some input and just to openly discuss. We can't and wait then, for Indaba to yes, do that, and right? Then, yeah, no, no, yeah. sorry. I think I'm yeah. also over waiting for these maybe conferences, the yeah. resolutions, the yeah. issues. 
at one place and then people forget them, put them at the back of their emails or only try to read the minutes, you know, just before the meeting. Right. So I think right. we also need to be a bit more, I think, progressive on that. So um, I think I'll just give you um, some parting words. I think I'll ask for parting words from both of you. We'll start with you, um, Kudzi. <laughs> yeah. What's the outlook for you on research? Um, any key messages to our viewers? Yeah, I just think that we need to think about how we're not going to get extinct like the dodo. And the only so. way we can do is adapt and add value to the profession. Yes. And research is a cornerstone because um, my boss always says, in God we all trust, but in data we make decisions based on. Mm. And the data will drive policy and it will drive the profession to change. So I'm just challenging everybody wherever you are to, 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 to look outside the little box that you're in and see how you can add value to the person in front of you and to the profession at large. Yes, no, indeed, I love that. Hey, thank you. Yeah, yeah um, to you. Mr. Kurupina. <laughs> yeah, so, so the take that I have is uh, before you talk about others, you want to look at the man in the mirror. Mm. So I've looked at myself, I've yeah. looked at my weaknesses, my shortcomings, and I've taken steps to build up my own skill set and so that I'm able to teach, convince, persuade, argue with other people, like what Kudzi said, that there's a certain essential skill set that we require as professionals mm -hmm. going forward, which, which, we, which we need to acquire now, but we may need to use maybe 5, 10, 15 years from now. Yeah. And so part of what I'm doing even with school and everything that I do is, is almost learn to apply, learn to teach, and hopefully this, this critical mass we can build up the critical mass that we're talking about and actually move things forward. Yeah. But COVID-19 has been a big uh, wake-up call. It has, it has illuminated shortfalls, not, not only within our profession as pharmacists, but within our system, our health system, yeah. even globally. I mean, now right? And so it has shown us that, okay, so this is who we are and these are our problems. And so the decision is, what are we going to do about what it? What are we going to do about it? And so I think that's that's... To anybody who's, 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 who's watched this and listening to this is, okay, so you now know where what needs to happen, where the weaknesses are, the challenges with the professional. What are you going to do about it? And not next week, right? As soon as you stop listening, what are you going to do? Because there is also part of what I'm studying is called uh, system in, um, momentum or inertia. So something that stopped isn't going to move simply because they've heard some Nyasha Banderson podcast, yeah. right? No, true. And someone who's moving in a certain isn't going to change necessarily because of this. So again, like what Kudzi says, it's got to be intentional. Yeah. yeah. Otherwise, things will happen and we'll be like, what just happened? And, and you know, we're like, we'll be spectators in, a, in an active movie yeah. that we're participating in, which is... Mm. Crazy. Yeah, and Stop I, talking. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, I think you know that would be sad at the end of the day. So look, I think at the at the end of it, let's just hope that you know we can sit there and just. I think we're pushing for more conversations. Look, this is the third episode. We're just starting. So well done on this, though. Well <laughs> done. I hope there'll be another one after. This. No, you know what? Ain't calling us back. Ain't calling us back. I think maybe she'll call you separately. All right, no, but yeah, thank you so much. I think uh, no, this was quite a riveting and exciting segment, and I think it's food for thought that you know you really shared. But yeah, thank you so much for coming by and also being here. All right, cool. Thank, thank you for having us. Yeah. It was <laughs> a pleasure. Yeah.